tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. How are you guys doing? Today's episode is sponsored by Black Buffalo, and there seems to be a bit of a concern going on over there inside of, of Ukraine from both sides right now. We got uh, both both sides of the field, because you say that's happening down inside of Crimea. We have the United States, who is towing some sort of weird fine line that they do not agree with Ukraine attacking legitimate Russian territory, like the one uh, that they should be residing in, not the ones they claim is theirs. But then they come out and state that they were okay with Ukraine taking Crimea, and then they state that Ukraine has the military capabilities to take Crimea, but are worried that this would actually end up escalating the war in the sense that you, Russia would, would end up using larger munitions if this were to happen. So essentially, they are okay with them taking Crimea, but don't want it to happen because it'll end up escalating the war, which is one of the most contradicting statements or takes, I guess you would say, we've seen thus far coming from the United States. Like, you can take it, but we don't want you to take it. You have the capabilities, but don't do it. It's going to piss them off. Don't strike them. It's the weirdest thing ever. You guys know my stance on this thing. Uh, Ukraine should be able to hit every single military target. I don't care where it's at. If if they're capable of doing so, no matter like if it's next to Moscow, I don't care where it's at. They should be able to do that because right now you have Russia who is targeting and hitting or attempting to on the daily for for like in every major city. So there, there should not be any reason for them not to be able to do the same. This is war. Russia has also stopped launching Iranian-made kamikaze drones from Crimea, which I guess is because they are fearing some, like, I guess they're feeling a little bit more vulnerable down there on this peninsula and not really tracking on how this is, is going to make them more vulnerable, honestly. And the only thing I can actually take from this is maybe they fear what the response might be if it's known they are launching uh, from this area. Because I, I don't really know entirely why it would really matter. Japan has also announced that it's going to be increasing its military spending by a bit more than most would have ever thought. This is the largest military buildup since World War II. They're going to be spending, you're going to hear me, this is with a B, okay? This is with a B. $320 billion over the course of five years. The next five years, they're going to be buying missiles that are actually capable of striking China from Japan. This would put Japan as the third largest on the list of military spending-wise, putting them directly behind China and, of course, America, the United States. Uh, I know that I, I spoke about this in our last episode, and I stated that one of the biggest problems for the Russians that the, they li- they're always living in the past, still thinking that the tactics they use inside of World War II, uh, is, is, which, of course, is not a good thing. But I'm going to say that just now, we are seeing the same type of buildup from certain countries like we've seen in past, specifically regarding pre-World War II, like in the 30s. Japan did this as well. But I think it's, I think it's a little bit different this time. They're on our, on they're on our side completely. They of all people know what it's like to be on the receiving end of America during a legit war. Russia, on the other hand, is still trying to figure out how to react to contact in the 21st century. It's it's just completely different scenarios. I don't really. <laughs> two different ends of the spectrum there. And I got to give a quick shout out to my VIP Patreon members as we do in every single episode because without their support, these videos would be very difficult to complete due to the cost we need to take on to complete these, these episodes. Uh, I want to say thank you to them right now because most of these videos are not monetized out the gate and due to the content we talk about. So thank you so much to Anthony Jimenez, Brandon Larson, Mark Pang, Matt Porter, Tyna Reed, William Martin, and Woot Woot. Yes, that username was Woot 
Woot. Thank you all for being VIP Patreon members. If you guys would like to check it out, it will be linked down in the description below. All videos over there are ad-free, and they get one exclusive every single week. There's also an interview I'm going to be... I, I would normally put in during this portion of the video, but I'm going to put it in towards actually the very end of the video because of the length of the thing. And I don't want to interrupt it because he's trying to tell a story and it wouldn't make sense for me to like pause and do what I normally do. So after mapping, you guys will see a longer interview that's a little over four minutes and it will not be broken up. I watched it all the way through and I was like, okay, I, I have to show it, but I mean, I don't have to show it, but I would like to show it. And I think it's best to put it by itself. Польша, в принципе, не скрывает этих намерений. Более того, эти все приготовления оплачиваются Соединенными Штатами Америки, потому что у Польши, у Польши Вы... своих средств нет на это. Польская армия составляет 160 тысяч человек. Вся. Полностью. То есть, в принципе, здесь подводятся да, как раз те самые 200 резервистов. В дальнейшем польская армия, судя по тем приготовлениям, которые производятся, будет составлять порядка 400 тысяч человек. И это, это же для это, чего? Это оккупационная армия. Просто угу. сразу говорю. Это же не армия обороны. Это оккупационная армия, которая совершенно четко имеет определенные территориальные планы. Мы имеем дело с прямой агрессией НАТО. Причем агрессии, которая добавляется к тому, что было на декабрь 2021 года, когда мы выставили вполне себе серьезные условия. Да. Агрессивные действия НАТО полностью оправдывают правомерность, своевременность специальной военной операции. So we're now finding out that the special military operation that is currently happening has new motives. And the goal is what they're trying to achieve, I guess. Apparently it wasn't done to get rid of some Nazis. It wasn't done to get rid of Zelensky because apparently he's the Antichrist. It wasn't done to free the lands that they claim is rightfully theirs. This is all happening to stop Poland from taking control and to stop NATO from taking over Ukraine. I, 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 whatever they're trying to push it isn't, isn't true, clearly. It's, it's, I'm a little confused, by the way. This, this, it doesn't really make sense what he said. And I don't think he realized that he didn't make any sense whatsoever because he's. If, if you can say something that's really stupid and arrogant and you're able to do it with confidence, people, people will tend to believe you. Because the last time I looked at a map, which I look at them fairly recently, it shows, there, you know, there's a country just west of Belarus and just west of Ukraine. What is that? Poland, correct? Okay. So if Poland is ramping up their, their troop count to occupy everything west of those countries, like he claims, then that would be called, what, preparing men for defensive purposes. Defensive purposes. I'm just throwing it out there. Everything west of Ukraine. Uh, I'm not entirely the smartest person inside the room, but I think I might be correct with this one. Все равно, что будет происходить с Макроном. Мне важно, чтобы мы взяли Одессу, Киев, Днепр, Полтаву, Сумы, Харьков. Вот это мне важно. А Макрон, Меркель, поляки какие-то, какие-то там прибалты. Не важны мне они вообще. Они тебе не важны. Давай вот так вот опять серьезно. Петр Олегович, они говорить, я тебе скажу почему. Потому что то... С какой степенью вероятности и в какой временной перспективе и какой ценой мы возьмем а, Николаев, а, Одессу. Кстати, теперь еще раз Херсон на этом пути нужно будет взять. Не, мы его с севера а, возьмем. Да, мы, вы его с севера возьмете. Ну, отлично, ладно, да. никому не скажем. Да. С севера вы возьмете. Угу. Вот, то есть то, насколько мы его быстро, эффективно и какими потерями возьмем, во многом зависит от того, попадут туда леопарды немецкие или не попадут. Да. Попадут туда французские гаубицы или не попадут. Но попадет туда их ПВО или Артем, не попадет. Исходи из того, что уже попали все. У нас производятся да. прекрасные ракеты. Да. Мы сожжем напалмом всю эту европейских гуманистов вместе с их а оружием. Now, this conversation has taken somewhat of a weird turn here. Apparently, Russians are okay with burning humanitarians with napalm. 
which seems a bit harsh. That's just me. They're just there to kind of help the civilian population. But you know what? Do whatever you need to do. I, very, very weird. And then they also claim that they're going to date Kirsten from the north, which is which is laughable um, as well. For one, they act as if it's a for sure thing that's going to be able to take it. They're in the room like, yes, yes, we're going to take Kirsten back. Why? I, um, I don't know about that one, but how are they going to get around that massive river that lays right in their big way? Okay, from the north, they're going to have to go around it, but we know down on the southern, the only way to do that is to go through the southern side, which there has been literally this much movement since March. They can't cross the main river because they're going to sustain insane amount of casualties, nor do I think they really even have the capabilities to make this, this even happen. We're talking a very expansive, wide river with no bridges on it right now. Costa, по поводу того, что нет как-то вот этой победы, Ведь когда вы цитируете Клименко, который говорит, что на Донбассе главная победа, главная проблема это люди, да. вот в чем разница между нами и ими да. глобально? Ведь не только в качестве волонтеров. Мы говорим, что сегодняшняя война главная это не люди. Разница в том, что они хотят, чтобы Донбасс был их, угу. но они никогда туда больше не вернутся. Угу. А мы точно знаем, что мы заберем всю Украину. Угу. И для нас люди не проблема. Давай будем вот честными и справедливыми к себе. Мы, во-первых, долго шутили про украинскую армию, и как-то теперь многим не до шуток. Мы шутили про американское оружие. Скажу тебе, ну, как бы после достаточно близкого знакомства с хаймерсами и со 155-ми снарядами, ну, как бы не очень смешно, видя, как они разбирают э, достаточно точно наши склады с вооружением и наши штабы. Ну, то есть я бы вот чуть-чуть, я понимаю, это очень важный как бы тональность, что типа всех мы намотаем на одно место, мы как бы намотаем. Но вот как бы мотается, оно все... Не так быстро, не, ну как бояться, хотелось бы. Бояться Латвию и Эстонию, нет, нет, сколько бояться, бы у них не было хаммерсов, Артем, это Бояться смешно. вообще никого не надо. Ну вот и все, вопрос, я про это и вопрос говорю. Вопрос в трезвой оценке ситуации. So this right here was a rare moment caught on Russian TV where a host actually admits they need to rethink what is going on and there might be a bit of a cause for concern with regards to the power of America as a whole. The other individual who is wanting to napalm humanitarian workers states that you shouldn't fear anything which is... I guess the same mindset that is attributed to their substantial losses on the ground and their inability to hold ground after it has been taken. Like there comes a time, especially now, where they, where I, what's to say a country or an individual? I don't, I don't care what it is, what you're talking about. If you're sustaining large losses in business, like financially, or you're sustaining large losses on the ground during a wartime, there's essentially both one and the same. Okay, I know, just bear with me. In the same in the sense that you would you would then take a step back, adjust the situation, reevaluate what is going on, what your enemy, especially one that hasn't shown you everything that really it really has. Like you can you can look at both portions of I don't know why I use business because I guess I enjoy both. But what I, what I'm saying is you, if you're if you're taking substantial losses and you're doing something incorrect, you probably would want to take a step back and just reevaluate, right? So a lot of you guys know my my other channel, Lunkers TV. I've, I've been doing that thing for I don't know like seven years. I've been taking quite. A, I think I've taken like a hiatus for about a month now on there. But I know a lot of people that dip while they're out fishing. Okay, there's a lot of alternatives right now out there that are original, but no one has really put in the time and effort to create high quality nicotine free tobacco alternative until now. So if you guys are over the age of 21 and you guys dip in or chew or do anything like pouches or long cut or any kind of stuff, and you guys want to try out a tobacco alternative, you guys need to check out Black Buffalo Zero. Black Buffalo Zero is everything you guys love about dipping, the feel, the taste, the ritual, just without the actual tobacco leaf, stem, and or nicotine. This product is actually made from cabbage leaves. You need to try this stuff. You guys believe how, how similar it tastes. It feels tr like traditional tobacco inside your mouth if you guys ever dip. I used to dip a absolute 
ton when I was in the military. That's like the thing everybody does. They make a variety of flavors from wintergreen, mint, straight, peach, everything. They even make blood orange. Uh, to me, straight's probably my go-to, to be honest with you guys. Black Buffalo's founders looked high and low for tobacco alternatives across the United States and even overseas, but nothing delivered the same satisfaction or high quality they were looking for, so they decided to make their own. Plus, Black Buffalo proudly manufactures all the products here in the United States of America. Yes, the United States of America. And you guys can, of course, get Black Buffalo at blackbuffalo.com. And they're also in stores across the country. If you guys would like to find a store near you, go to blackbuffalo.com and click stores. So for me, this is this is pretty important for anybody who's wanting to weem off or ditch the actual nicotine, but they want to maintain that that sense of, of feeling inside their lip. You know what I mean, Jellybean? Like if you guys are looking for the traditional chewing tobacco, uh, Black Buffalo Zero is the way to go. High quality alternative to tobacco that also allows you to ditch the nicotine. So you guys are ready to keep your ritual but ditch the tobacco? If so, and you're over the age of 21, it's time to get with Black Buffalo Zero. It's everything you love about dipping and nothing you don't. Head to blackbuffalo.com and use promo code ROB15 at checkout to save 15% off your first order. Hey, that's the best offer you guys are going to find, but you guys have to use my code ROB15, all caps ROB15, for 15% off your order. One last time for you guys, that is promo code ROB15. 15 for 15% off your order, which will be linked in the description below. So thank you so much to Black Buffalo for sponsoring this episode. Make sure to go check out the sponsors of our videos because, hey, they help us out tremendously because YouTube, well, they're good at getting the word out to people, but they suck at making sure creators get paid. So thank you so much to Black Buffalo for sponsoring this episode. Now, this next chunk is actually a bit different than what we normally see coming from Russia. We're going to be getting some actual insight what into like, I guess, the propaganda that's being pushed directly to the civilian population in an attempt to get them to enlist. It's not really insight, more or less like uh, what we get to see what's going on there. А также статус ветерана боевых действий. А значит, уважение. Саша, молодец. Now, if you're looking for new friends, uh, the world's best healthcare, money, and respect to say you're a combat veteran, then this job is for you. Nothing about protecting your motherland in there, which, which is something we normally would see or hear coming or talking about those crazy Nazis running around. Since they're going after one type of person who is, is looking to get paid and or who is looking for recognition. Этот ролик, где описываются всевозможные социальные блага, которые могут может получить человек, да, пошедший будет как Саша. Да, да будет как Саша, да. А какой образ защитника этот ролик пытается представить? Потому что вот я посмотрел, у меня создалось впечатление, что это скорее про какие-то блага и про денежки и про что-то еще, а не про защиту родины. И если это работает, то у меня вопрос там в американский флот и будешь путешествовать по всей планете. Но они же создают какой-то образ, они пытаются как что-то сказать человеку. Вот ты хочешь в этом образе оказаться, правильно? Да. Как ни странно, вот именно этот ролик с не очень хорошим продакшеном по сравнению с первым, который мы увидели, завирусился. Я его видел в совершенно разных каналах. If you guys, if you guys actually join the the American Navy, the U.S. Navy, and you guys get put on a ship, I don't think they want you to calling it a boat, 
It's a ship, I think, because I, I didn't float around in them. But you guys will legitimately see the entire world. That is no doubt about that, okay? If you like floating around in the ocean, playing with big guns, why wouldn't you want to join the Navy and bounce around from port to port to port being paid? Like, somewhat confusing take, because right now, if you guys join up to fight inside of Ukraine, what do you guys have a fairly decent chance of meeting the end? Uh, well, the end of the, the wrong side of Western weaponry. That is clearly more superior to what the, the, the you're given. And you're currently being asked to join a war that is, is moving backwards. Does anybody even want to join a losing team? Just be honest. Ролик это не самоцель. Задача наша не ролик сделать сегодня, а воздействовать на аудиторию. Воздействовать на аудиторию нужно системно. Для этого есть целая наука, давно отстроенная, и вот ею как раз наши визави американцы. Они gonna have to take a quick pause here. Not sure I was really anticipating to get that that frame that we just saw of that gentleman. I, I don't know if I could rock those pants, but I mean, when it went from his face, like, okay, well, this guy's kind of interesting. Whoa, my God, what is going on? You remind me of that character from uh, Austin Bowers. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. I was like, what the heck is going on here? Anyway. Молодежь. Молодежь, она все-таки должна еще поучиться немножко чему-то. И вообще, войны не выигрывают молодежь. Если мы посмотрим поколение, которое выиграли Великую Отечественную войну, это 30-50-летние люди. So we're getting just a little, a few little good clips here from a group of guys who are lacking in some common knowledge all around. I, I love that guy's honest reaction, and that guy we're talking about is one that is so pro-heavy on on just taking out Ukraine as a whole. He he about had a dang aneurysm on stage when he's talking about the younger generation doesn't win wars, and it's the men between the ages of thirty and fifty. Of course. We talk about World War II once again was brought up because they can't get past that way of thinking, like I've said many, many, many times on here. But me, in my younger years, like in my 20s, I was, I was decent at physical stuff, thanks to the military. And then I was also able to recoup from, like, let's say, heavy nights of drinking. I can go out. I, could, I, I know this is kind of a weird thing to say, but if I went out in my younger 20s and I drank till 3 in the morning, which was normal thing in the military, I could get up and I can go run 5 miles the next morning at 6 in the morning. All right. That's something. If I have five beers, four beers, or even three beers now in my mid-30s, I will be struggling for the next two days. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to walk around carrying a bunch of stupid weight on my back. And then now me and my lower thirds are like, hey, you know what? Let's take a let's take a quick pause. Uh, my knee is currently swollen. And my back is absolutely thrashed. I, I I don't think I can keep up with you guys anymore. Just go do your thing. Like, oh, like, what are we talking about here? Like, if I'm not mistaken... One of Russia's biggest issues is a generational divide between the ages, the ranges that he's talking about, okay, with regards to what they believe. Okay, the younger generation has the ability to understand social media and the internet so they can find the truth and things fairly easy. For, 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 for one thing, I cannot believe this. We still have a 10% audience or so that watches this thing daily, which to me is kind of crazy. So the stuff that they're having the problem is generational divide. They cannot appeal to their youth and to get them to sign up because they do not believe in what is currently happening over inside of Ukraine. Or we would see like a massive influx of the younger generation signing up for the military. Here in America, we are dealing with the same type of issues to a certain extent. Okay. I'm talking about with appealing to the younger generation. We are. The U.S. Army uh, recruiting is down 25% year over year. Some say this is because of strong job market. Thumb, <coughs> so excuse me. Some think it's because of benefits are everywhere. I, I don't know 
personally, I, I think it has more to do with the fact the younger generation doesn't have the same like love for America as it once did. I'm not saying that it has gone away completely. I just think this, this last like 10 years has been like, whoa, what is going on? Um, and we can be truthful. Like the most you see our country at times as being one of the worst things that's ever happened to planet Earth, depending on where you live, of course, or what news station you watch and, and so on and so forth. That's just the way it rolls here in America. If you guys live on the West Coast, California, New York, you're going to have a completely different um, thought process on the mid Midwest states and Florida and Texas and Oklahoma all the way up. Like everybody's going to have a different viewpoint. Okay. If you took a, an actual poll or looked at polls on what jobs were being soaked up in the military, our military, as in like, I'm going to say combat related jobs, I would venture out to say that more than 75% of them, or I'll say 60% of them are held by certain states because they're just like, I just remember when I was in, most of the people were from a very certain demographic or location of America. And so it was pretty, very strange. But I think it just has to do with where they were raised and what you're up around. And anyway, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, a lot of it has to do with political environment, things that changes that have been made in the military. It makes, it's anyway, it's a bit soft. But I don't know. It doesn't really matter. That could be an entire episode in itself. I can go on for days about where I'm going to. Плюшки показывают, какие человек плюшки заработает. Yeah. Потому что молодежь вообще, честно говоря, мало кто, вот я сколько общаюсь, мало кто понимает, что мы там делаем. Потому что границу они сюда никто не перешел. Мало mm -hmm. кто понимает. А выезжать на фоне Советского Союза, идеологии Советского Союза, что мы боремся с немцами, это тоже такое себе очень сомнительное. А вы сможете что... снять ролик, который объяснит, что мы там делаем? Так я сам особо на, пон на понятном, доступном языке, со словами... Я вам объясняю, что на самом деле... Я сам особо не понимаю. Я понимаю, что мы воюем... Проблема заключается в том, что нет понимания, как разговаривать с разными аудиториями. В первую очередь, возрастными. Ну, потому что нет. Потому что вы не слышите меня. Я категорически не принимаю то, что вы сейчас говорите. я вас как раз слышу, а вы категорически не принимаете. молодой человек. Давайте мы не будем сейчас тут бодаться дальше. Вот есть ли возможность придумать... Подождите, Елена. Может быть, вы тогда поймете, зачем мы там. Просто ну, один ой, раз нет, поехали слушайте, в глаза, это... посмотрите, я ребята, там был. которые... И у меня очень много друзей в ЧВК Вагнере как раз сейчас находятся, воюют, пацаны. И у вы не понимаете, с... что они там делают? А? И вы не понимаете, они что они зарабатывают. Делают. Я вам честно скажу, кто в Вагнер идет, зарабатывает бабки идут. Вы реально думаете, что они идут кто-то за флаг, что ли, туда? So you know what I meant uh, when, when I was talking about those rants, and I couldn't just, I just find this next piece of this clip here to say, I, I, don't, I don't watch these videos prior, okay? Just to keep the reaction as natural as possible, And I guess I hit the nail right on the head with that one. Значит, есть ли представление о том, что можно создать некий э, вот такой вот продукт информационный, агитационный, который будет понятен и который будет принят абсолютно всеми? Наверное, это невозможно, но стремиться к этому следует или нет? Я не осуждаю СВО. Я, кстати, один из тех людей, который поддерживал СВО. Я просто пытаюсь... Любопытно. То есть вы не понимаете, но поддерживаете. Нет, Значит, у нас есть тоже определенные правила, в том числе правила ведения дискуссий. Я не хочу вас обижать там или оскорблять, но вы действительно очень уверены в собственной правоте, и э, невзирая на то, что базы, в общем, у вас не хватает. Вот вы хотите, чтобы мы вам сейчас все это объясняли, мы не будем этого делать, ну, потому что не для этого программа сегодня вышла в эфир. 
Well, at least we got to enjoy a bit of some old-school Jerry Springer there for just a minute. His points were valid, and yet the older ones wouldn't uh, listen to him. when They told him he needed to attend school for somehow he can understand how what war is really about. That's one of the weirdest takes ever. Uh, but the Russians really, really need a, a good marketing team because right now they're trying to sell a product that their consumer isn't willing to buy. That's the biggest problem with it, okay? Now we're going to be shifting over some mapping. We got some stuff happening in certain areas, as we do know, of Ukraine. Uh, there hasn't been any change in the northern, uh, the northeastern side of the country. Neither side has been able to move the lines, but all of the Russian areas, I guess you'd say, they have ramped up their attempts to take back the lost ground, but haven't been able to do so. We're going to shift down to Bakhmut, where most of the fighting is currently taking place. So it is now confirmed that the Russians have taken the town of Yakolika, okay, which is fairly significant, but isn't the end for the, the Ukrainians. So this is a fairly large chunk that is now 100% confirmed to be taken by the, the, the Russians. I will say this area right through here is most likely going to shift quite a bit because remember this is all hills all through here. All those breadsticks you guys are seeing, that's all the high ground. So that town is actually on the lower edge or the the, the base of those hills. They still maintain the high ground. It surrounds the outskirts of the town itself. And it's going to make a very difficult task ahead for the Russians to push more north if they're wanting to expand out of there. Now, the Ukrainians will be able to target all the buildings that are left inside the town with artillery at a from a safe distance in the hills with accurate fire. But the situation is actually closer to the city of Bakhmut itself, which I have now zoomed us in here. We got Solodar, which is just south of the area we just looked at. Now we got the main city itself. It's, it's changing damn near every single hour right now, okay? The Russians haven't been able to push across that first natural barrier on the eastern side of the city. They have been pushed back on the southern portion of the city as well. So they actually controlled, that is the Russians, this area in our last episode. They have not been able to push past here yet, which is that natural barrier we spoke about. That was that, that big chunk of water. So at some point, I do personally believe there is a chance the Ukrainian defensive line is going to collapse on the eastern side of the city near this industri industrial zone, which is right through here. That's the area I'm talking about. I do believe this is a possibility because it's going to be able to allow them to create separation, okay, using natural barriers, which will be very difficult to cross if the proper defensive positions are set up all along it, which it seems like the, the Russians, or excuse me, the Ukrainians have done a fairly decent job of that as of right now. And this is the area I'm talking about. They're going to collapse, I think, if I was a gambling man, probably collapses back behind here. And I'm only saying this because of this natural barrier that is right here. You guys see this water? I think their new defensive line will be something like this. Okay, I think, okay, I, that water, that pocket of water is what I'm talking about. They can use so much stuff right now. Uh, I think it kind of reminds me somewhat of Mariupol and um, Severodonetsk and, and all those areas beforehand where they utilize the buildings and they just kind of fall back as they lose ground. You know what I mean? We've seen this over and over again, um, but I think they're going to have better positions right here. But it, it does look like the line is holding, like, extremely well in the southern portion, like, as this water flows all the way through here, I believe. It seems that the Ukrainians have fairly well dug in positions all along this main line. So that's pretty much what's going on here. This whole area is going to be changing significantly. It's very fluid, very changing, uh, heavily changing environment. So expect changes to come every single video here on out. Could be good or could be bad, depending on which side you're on. So I'm going to put this last bit in, uh, which is an interesting interview. And I told you I'm going to put it in earlier, but it's a bit longer. I don't want to interrupt it while it's going on. So please enjoy it. Он долго не раздумывал, отправиться в зону СВО или нет. Ушел по контракту. Их подразделение в первые же дни попало под обстрел противника. Получив ранение и превозмогая боль, Михаил несколько часов нес на себе товарища, постоянно теряющего сознание. Затем их схватили украинские военные. Сегодня... 
мы встретились с Михаилом, который вернулся домой, мужественно пройдя через ужасы плена. Просто сделали предложение, что вот можно сходить по контракту там, до Нового года, 4 месяца. Вот. У меня просто остался там кусочек до пенсии добить. Я вот только из-за этого, в принципе, пошел. Так -то. Ну и все, думаю, схожу. Ничего страшного. Нас отправили резко в эту область Харьковскую. Пошло наступление, то есть пошли войска, то есть с той стороны. Вот. Там регулярные войска их. А здесь, то есть мы тыловики, ну не военные, то есть там военных-то, честно говоря, по пальцам пересчитать, то есть кто. Все просто вот так разбежались, то есть кто куда. И все. Расскажите о ранении, как вы получили ранение? У нас приехал танк забирать. Вот. Сели на танк, то есть там человек 15-20, то есть там. Ну и все, то есть прилетает снаряд от миномета прямо вот под ноги. И вот нога, лицо там. Ну, сейчас зажило уже, то есть как бы это. У многих была истерика, что начинали бегать, просто там в... стрелять в воздух. Вот. Он не знает, то есть, что делать, куда. То есть, вот. Начали выходить уже, тут только начало светать, и они тут вот с кустов прямо раз в голову. То есть, а тут уже никуда не денешься. Не били, ничего, то есть нормальное отношение было. Когда уже в Харькове в СИЗО, то есть понятно, когда разрезали, то есть все, ты видишь, и они говорят, вы находитесь, то есть там-то, там-то, вот Харьковское СИЗО, то есть изолятора, как бы это, вы военнопленные официально сейчас. Все, тогда уже как бы ты просто выдохнул, то есть и все, что ну, уже в тюрьме, то есть тебя уже здесь точно не убьют. А там уже поехали с Харькова в Киев поехали, с Киева повезли уже вот под Львов в этот лагерь. Вот. И там уже сидели. А там уже на обмен. То есть там была конечная точка, то есть откуда меняют. Но многих ну, держали в СИЗО, потому что там лагерь-то сам по себе, он как бы небольшой. Он там рассчитан на 300 человек вот, всего лишь. То есть у вас там было 300 человек? Не, у нас меньше было, там 150, наверное, вот так вот. Там, получается, как бы сами себе готовили, но там по сравнению вот с этими изоляторами, понятно, то есть тут кормили вообще, ну, три раза. Э, распорядок армейский, в 6 подъем, в 10 отбой, то есть если кто-то там что-то, ну, режим нарушает, какие-то ну, поступки там совершаются, постоянно приседание там или отжимание, вот это было, то есть такое. Ну и выучили гимн их наизусть, то есть про Бандеру песню наизусть выучили. А, самое, что понравилось, это София Ротару, вот песню выучили, Червоную Руту эту. Там постоянно приезжали всякие репортеры, то есть там, ну иностранцы в основном, наших тут там, ну, не было там. Англичане там были, австралийцы, канадцы были. Ну просто вот интересовались, как вас содержат, то есть там вот, все такое, то есть как питание, то есть опять же зачем приехали сюда, чем будете потом заниматься, вас все равно говорит, поменяют, если поменяют вас, то есть сюда собираетесь обратно ехать, вот, 
там все в камерах, там иностранцы там все понатыкали, там же все вот европейцы, то есть у них там конвенция вот эта женевская работает, то есть как бы они нам не зачитывали там и наши права, там и все вот это вот полностью. И приезжали, говорю, у них даже все это отслеживается в режиме онлайн, они смотрят. So that didn't really work out as planned for the Russians, and I'm not entirely sure why this thing even was allowed to be played uh, when they're trying to push the, the narrative that Ukrainians will treat you terribly and you do not follow the rules of war. It's just very weird. Uh, to me, it seemed like the guy was, was happy that he was being captured, and honestly, because he knows he wasn't going to be killed at that point, and he was going to get fed three meals every single day. So anyway, looks like they're following the Geneva Conventions as much as one would expect them to. Hope you guys did enjoy this video over here. I will catch you guys either tomorrow and or the next day with another one. I do love you guys. I'm out.